Thanks for pressing play. On this episode, let's talk about what the problem with your marketing plan might be, and specifically three areas. Number one, calling in a plan might be a problem. Uh, number two, it's actually a legendary marketing plans are about more than just marketing. And number three, um, your relationship with your CFO and finance team uh, might be a problem, but I'm hoping it won't be when we're done. All right. We're sponsored by my good friends at Oracle NetSuite, the platform for managing your business with precision. Check out NetSuite.com slash different today. That's NetSuite.com slash different. And my friends at Splunk are the leaders in data to everything. Check out SPLUNK.com slash D, the number two, the letter E. That's Splunk.com slash D to E. And I'd like to remind you that podcasts make wonderful gifts. First of all, for the giver, they're cheap. Second of all, for the getter or the, the receiver, <laughs> they make a wonderful gift. So uh, give podcasts. Now, hey-ho, let's go. This is Lockheed Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. All right, so let's talk about uh, your marketing plan. Here's sort of the first insight I would, I would share with you. When we call something a plan, it sets a particular context. And um, if you know me, you know that one of my favorite expressions is thinking about thinking is the most important kind of thinking. And if you know me, you also know that I try very hard to pay attention to the, the impact of language and words. And so when we call it a plan, what it can lead some people to believe is that it's not really movable. It's not really malleable that it's going to get executed the way it's been drawn up and that modifications to it actually indicate that something went wrong or that now we have to, quote, change our plan. And when most people hear, oh, we got to change our plans, that's a uh, sort of a negative context in their head. So here's a paradigm to think about. Think about your marketing plan as a framework. And so what I mean by that specifically is, look, there's certain things we know we are going to want to get done in a year or in a quarter or whatever time period we're working on our plan. Uh, so if we have a major new product or service launch coming up and we're going to do a lightning strike around that, if it's been a few years since we uh, up-leveled our, our website and we want to do that, we're going to do that. If maybe we're looking at launching a broader more powerful owned media strategy and we're going to start publishing and creating more awesome content, whatever it is. Uh, there's certain things that we know we're going to get done. There's a certain amount of demand gen we need to get done, a certain amount of sales training, et cetera, et cetera. So those things are going to be constants and we can put those in. Those can be anchor points to our plan. However, there's going to be a lot of changing. If we've learned anything in 2020, is that shit changes and it can change fast. And so my suggestion to you is lock and load on the key things that you know you're going to want to get done, lightning strikes, product launches, customer conferences, etc. 
on the things that are going to be more fluid, that is to say, uh, let's say you have a big bucket called demand gen. Inside that bucket, there could be 10 or 15 or 20 things that you're going to do. I think you want to give yourself a lot of flexibility. So as you start thinking about planning and budgeting, put things into big buckets, but assume change. That's why calling it a framework might be a more powerful thing. Certainly with your marketing team, let them know that we are going to sketch out what we're going to spend and roughly what we're going to spend it on, or I might say invest. I always like to use the word invest, particularly when talking to the finance folks. Well, what are we investing this quarter in advertising better than spending? Again, language matters. So think about what you're going to invest and in roughly what time frame, but When we call it a framework, we set a context with our team and the rest of the company that there's going to be flexibility, that once we get onto the the field of play, shit's going to change. And we are pre-planning for that. And that's why uh, it's a framework with some targets and with some key things that we're going to get done. But it assumes change. It assumes we're going to try new things. It assumes we're going to move money around. So think about it a little more like a framework and a little less like a hard-coded plan and make sure everybody on the team understands it's going to change and that is a good, healthy thing. So that's the first thing. The second thing is think about it as being something more than just owned and run by the marketing organization. And here's what I mean. If you work at a great company, your head of products slash engineering or development or whatever you call that chief product officer type person, if that person is a legendary executive, chances are she has deeply involved other areas of the company with the thinking, strategizing, game planning, and ultimately product planning of what she plans to release and when. And so a legendary head of products or head of engineering is somebody who is going to create and ultimately own a product plan, but, and this is an important but, she is going to drive a highly cross-functional process with her team interacting with marketing, sales, finance, customer support, and potentially other organizations to gather their input so that the product plan is a company product plan that the the head of products and the product organization is driving, but the rest of the executive team and frankly, key members of the company feel ownership of that plan. Same thing with a legendary sales plan, same thing with a legendary company budget. If you have a legendary CFO, that executive did not dictate what the budget would be. There was a process that they ran that was collaborative with other executives and then people who work for those executives and people who work for those people and so forth. Same thing with the sales plan. Legendary sales leaders do this too. But for some reason, it isn't as prevalent in marketing. So what am I suggesting? As you're creating the plan, deeply engage with product slash engineering, with the sales team, and of course the finance team and any other relevant teams so that it is co-created cross-functionally There's a sense of ownership of the marketing plan cross-functionally and up and down the org chart. And then, of course, marketing is responsible for executing, just like engineering is responsible for the product plan, just like sales is responsible for the sales plan or the the, uh, finance organization is responsible for the budget. Okay. And then the third thing I thought would be uh, critical to touch on is your relationship with the CFO slash the finance team. 
If you're a CMO or you're some other kind of marketing leader, here's what I would tell you. I have often seen marketing take a somewhat adversarial approach with finance. I think that's a giant mistake. I always was striving to have a great relationship with the CFO. And I'll tell you what, uh, my marketing ops team was cross-functional and was always led or co-led by somebody in finance who was sort of our finance person helping us deal with our budget and our spending. And so deep integration with finance, they should be part of your marketing ops team and budgets should be created with them. So that's the first thing. The second thing I tell you is marketing tends to be the uh, unique in the company as a function because it has the largest discretionary spend. That is to say, if you think about the sales organization or the product organization or HR or, uh, or what have you, uh, most of those functions, their budgets are deeply tied to headcount. The only two parts of the company that aren't so high to tied to headcount tend to be marketing and IT, because of course, IT spends money on technology and marketing spends money on marketing executions that are beyond headcount. All right. So with all that said, here's what I'd suggest. If you think about your plan as a framework, then think about your spending strategically and think about how you're going to feather your investments across a quarter. And if you work well with your CFO, marketing can be a place to park cash. And here's what I mean specifically. In a situation where you back end load your marketing spend in the back month of the quarter, here's what you can do. When you get to the final month of the quarter and you start to get visibility into the sales forecast and you start to know what are going to be the likely outcomes for the quarter, if you're working closely with your finance team, you will know if the company is likely to exceed its plan for the quarter or fall short. If it's going to exceed its plan, it might mean that we actually have a few extra investment dollars. And one of the great things about marketing is if the CFO calls the CMO and says, hey, we need to spend some extra money because we don't want to have too much earnings this quarter. Us in marketing, we know how to spend a lot of money very quickly. <laughs> And so what I used to do, and this I think is particularly germane for um, CMOs of public companies, but I think it also um, can make a difference in private companies, is I would always have a deal with the CFO that we would push as much of our discretionary investments to the last month of the quarter as possible and be in deep communication as the forecast was sort of turning into a reality so that we could underinvest if required and potentially hold back some marketing spend to help the company meet its earnings per share number or other uh, objectives as it relates to cash and profitability. And if you're in a high growth situation, and this was uh, the case for a lot of my career, there were situations where heading into, you know, with three weeks left in the quarter, we would know from the CFO and the sales forecast that we were going to have a great quarter and we didn't want to overachieve on earnings or profitability. And so all of a sudden, you know, we got to do some awesome advertising or do some other things in marketing where we could invest uh, rapidly to kind of keep the financial model intact and move the company forward that way. And so my point in all of that is I would recommend as the CMO, 
get deeply collaborative with the CFO and even down the org chart. I always deeply valued my relationships with the key folks in finance who were assigned to helping uh, me and the marketing team. And driving that integration, I think, is a very, very smart thing for CMOs to do. All right. I hope that helps you think a few new things through as it relates to your marketing plan. We would like to thank my good friends at Atranet, A-T-R-E, building B2B websites in Silicon Valley for over 20 years. Check out atre.net today. If you're in Australia and you want to get some legendary marketing media buying done, check out rapidmedia.com.au. My friends at Category Design Advisors not only will help you design your category, but they've also released a brand new Category Design 101 video series featuring none other than PlayBigger co-author Kevin Maney himself. So go to CategoryDesignAdvisors.com slash blog and you can check out those new videos with Kevin. Uh, all right. This podcast is a sole property of the, lock, blah, 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 the Lockhead. <laughs> For some reason, I have a hard time saying my own name on this shit. The Lockhead Oddcast Network, and if you like it enough to listen, why not share it with your whole organization? Uh, today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. Please consult your shaman, lawyer, mystic, doctor, accountant, and of course, bartender before atta- uh, attacking anything we talked about today. Remember, don't be lame. Stay out of the passing lane, and uh, f- don't forget to tip your wait staff. We're produced and edited by living podcast legend Jason DeFilippo. Check his podcast out, Grumpy Old Geeks. Jamie J and Sarah Knox do legendary technical execution and they build Lockhead.com. Show notes by Diane Gervasio and Candy Dandy keeps all the trains running on time. Remember, George Carlin was right. Listen to Eddie Van Halen. Stay legendary. And the thought I'll leave you with comes from Mike Tyson, who says everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. All right, that's it. Please stay legendary. Take good care. And until we're together again, follow your difference.